Hello and welcome to Power Pros Podcast, episode 194. I'm your host, the Hoff, Chris Hoffman, and with me is my co-host and nemesis, Pete Mashad. I'm glad we're stuck in the quarantine together, Chris. It is a horror like I've never known, Pete. <laughs> we are back, of course, once again to talk about what's going on in the world of Nintendo, which means some game impressions, some news, and then this week's big topic, which is a double dose of Nintendo Direct. We're going to be discussing the recent Nintendo Direct Mini and also the recent Indies Showcase. However, before we get to that, we will kick things off with some game impressions, starting with a big title that we had all been waiting for. It is finally out. It is finally here. We've been playing it. It is Animal Crossing New Horizons for Nintendo Switch. Woohoo! Obviously, this is the latest in Nintendo's relaxing lifestyle simulator series <laughs> where you go to live on a largely deserted island and build it into a thriving little community. In many ways, it's a lot of what we've come to expect from the series, and by that I mean cute graphics, soothing music, friendly animal companions, and simple activities such as fishing, catching bugs, and digging up fossils. The more you do and the more money you spend, the bigger your house becomes and the livelier the community gets. And so far, this game is like a massive hit. It is easily like the biggest launch for an Animal Crossing game ever, <laughs> and apparently one of the biggest launches so far on Nintendo Switch. I mean, there might be extenuating circumstances for that, but this is still pretty darn impressive nonetheless. Yeah, pretty cool. I mean, I think you kind of touched on it there. I think it's definitely launching into maybe the best environment possible for this style of game. Yeah. You know, possibly ever. But at the same time, you know, I think this game has been one of the most requested since it was announced and even before it was announced. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time since we've had a real Animal Crossing game, you know. Right. That gnarly one on Wii U definitely doesn't count. <laughs> so I think people's appetites were really high for this game and it shows. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't believe how long it's been since the last like mainline Animal Crossing has been out I think it was like seven years or something. Yep, yep, I believe that is correct. That is unbelievable. So tell me, Pete, what has your experience been like so far? How have you been enjoying your time on this island? And most importantly, what did you name your island and who were the villagers that joined you there? <laughs> yeah, of course. I have really enjoyed it so far. I feel like it's, you know, a welcome trip back to, you know, this little quirky village where you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot that that's how things go. <laughs> and seven years is nothing to sneeze at. That's like, you know. Yeah, for sure. A decent amount of time. So it's definitely been long enough that I'm now, you know, I almost want to listen to everything Blathers has to say. And, <laughs> and uh, I have been. And I really don't want to spoil it too much by like looking on the internet for tricks and all that. Like, yes, eventually there's a time and a place for that. But I'm really enjoying just like kind of the slow pace and, and trying to figure out like everything I can do to maximize my day. Yeah, it's fun to just play it as it comes and you know, enjoy it at whatever pace you like and just see how it unfolds naturally. Yeah, so my island name, I've been calling it Booze Royale. <laughs> okay interesting yeah it's kind of a funny inside joke but yeah anyways it's like you drink it, lots of milk there i take it <laughs> yeah yeah it's more like boo and israel in the same combo but uh <laughs> mm, okay anyways on my island i have four different characters with me i have oh boy billy the goat mm -hmm. and rocket the gorilla mm, nice. and merengue the rhino and Sherb, 
the sheep, I think. Hmm, all right. And he just moved in. And then I've got somebody else moving in tomorrow. So not sure who that's going to be yet. I talked to them once and now I forgot their name. But <laughs> Okay. Well, it seems you are a lot further ahead than I am. I haven't had anyone move onto the island yet. So far, it is just me along with Mira the rabbit and Antonio the anteater hanging out on Cappy Isle. <laughs> all right. I love it. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know of any capybara Animal Crossing characters, but I certainly would welcome them if any of them want to show up. <laughs> uh, I think there's enough that are probably close to a capybara. Well, at any rate, you can certainly look forward to capybara-themed decorations on my island sooner or later. <laughs> Perfect. When can I come over and chop down all your trees? <laughs> you can do that at exactly never. <laughs> Anyway, even though this game is largely similar to previous Animal Crossing titles, there are indeed several key differences. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest ones is that there is now a huge emphasis on crafting. You're now constantly gathering up materials to craft items and tools. And then as you go about your activities, your tools break. So it's this constant cycle of using your nets and your fishing pole and your axe and shovel to get resources. And then they break and then you use a fraction of those resources you've gathered to make new tools. And, you know, I have to admit, it is maybe a little bit on the annoying side, to be honest. But Pete, what do you think of all this new crafting and this new mechanic in the game? You know, at first, I think I was in the same mindset you just mentioned, where it's like, it is a little annoying, if I'm being honest, but there is something about it that kind of adds to the pacing of the game. Hmm. When you can create better equipment, you start to feel a better sense of accomplishment. And... Yeah, and a better sense of loss when it breaks, too. <laughs> right. But you also, at that point, should have more materials, and it should be easier to replace. So it's not... I don't know. I think that it is a minor annoyance. I think as you go, I think you... you come to learn to replace your stuff a little bit better and make sure you have things to replace said stuff. Yeah, I mean, I certainly have been doing that. And in general, I like the idea of crafting. I like having a reason to gather these materials other than just to sell them and then use bells. I like being able to create this variety of stuff instead of just selling it and then buying everything you need. I think it does add a very important new dynamic to the gameplay. Yeah, that's kind of the pacing that I was talking about. It does. It feels like, you know, you've earned the right to make this stuff. You know, I think in the past, and you still do get this to some extent, you know, you shake a tree and like some item falls out. But yeah, yeah. there is this sort of feeling of like, oh, yeah, it's cool that I can just like make this, you know, whenever I want and I can make as many as I want. And, you know, even though you could just buy that with bells, there is something mm -hmm. to me just a little bit more intrinsically like exciting about making it yourself. Yeah, and satisfying, I would say. Yeah, rewarding, yeah. So, you know, that aside, what have your first several days of island living been like? <laughs> well, you know, really, I've just been trying to maximize what I can do. Like, I'll think like, oh, if I can, you know, collect enough bugs today, I'll get a museum tomorrow. <laughs> and if I can pay this house off quickly enough, then I'll get a bigger house. And, you know, yeah, yeah. the constant carrot that gets dangled in front of you in this game by, like, <laughs> Tom Nook and the rest of the cronies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I'm glad you brought up the museum because that is something that you do get pretty early on in the game. You know, you start turning in a few creatures to that jerk Tom Nook, <laughs> and that, in turn, brings in Blathers the Owl, you know. And then you give him a few more things, and boom, you get this museum. And it's not just a museum. It's like this massive, giant, yeah. <laughs> fancy museum, plus a zoo and an aquarium. Right. And it's like, 
nuts and it looks totally amazing yeah it is far and away the most like robust version of the museum that's ever existed it literally looks like a super super fancy museum you would find in a major city (laughs) it's kind of crazy yeah i mean it really seems you know far above and beyond visually anything that we have seen in animal crossing before i'm very very impressed and I wish it were that easy to get a really cool museum in real life. <laughs> well, and it's cool, too, because, you know, I think they're really able to show, you know, now, granted, Animal Crossing's never really taken the hardware of any machine and pushed it to its limits. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But this one in particular, you know, you can tell they've really focused on some minor details. Like, even, like, when you're placing these fish and insects in, like, Uh, tanks on your island the tanks are really elaborate like they have like little tubes and little you know really finite details where you're like wow i can't believe that like i can see all that yeah some of them are even interactive yeah and then you know this is another side story but like on the beach there's little like clam holes they shoot you know little geysers of water and i don't think they would have been able to do that on the gamecube necessarily at least not to the level of effect that this one has Yeah, you're probably right. And also, just looking at the details, the textures on the characters, like the way they actually look furry and stuff is also, you know, very visually impressive compared to the past Animal Crossing games. Yeah, and then I've also seen some, like, really small, like, details with, like, blending, kind of similar to, you know, Link's Awakening, Hmm. where when you walk into a shop and the camera gets too close to, like, something that's in the uh, foreground... You just got to get this really cool blur effect. And I don't know. Every now and then I see something in the game where I'm like, wow, that's really pretty. Yeah, I haven't really noticed that much myself, but that does sound good. Another thing that happens after Blathers comes to your island is that you get a vaulting pole so you can go exploring across the island for fossils. And I have to say, that did give me a little bit of an issue. While I certainly like using the vaulting pole to you know, go across rivers and look for more stuff and it expands the area you can explore... I was like, why isn't this vaulting pole just used automatically? (laughs) I think it's kind of irritating that it's a selectable item. I feel like it should just be context sensitive when you, you know, go to the river and you push up against it for a second, just automatically pull that thing out and shoot across. I think that kind of is a missed opportunity and they should have done something a little more user friendly there. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had the same sort of thoughts. And I don't know if you, there's an item after that that also allows you to access certain parts of the island. You mean the ladder? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't want to spoil it for you. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. I've seen it in videos. Yeah, again, same thing. You kind of wish that it just like behaved automatically. And now granted, they've tried to add like a way to, um, you know, quick access your items. But I still don't find it super convenient. And it's still kind of cumbersome. Yeah. Plus the fact that you have to unlock that quick select is sort of mind boggling as well. (laughs) Oh yeah, I forgot about that. You're right. But uh, what about your house? Have you been uh, doing a lot with that? Do you have a lot of expansions? I have only done one expansion so far myself, but how about you? Yeah, I've only done one expansion. I just made my main room a little bigger. Yep, same here. I like when you go in your home and all your stuff is just where it was, but the walls are expanded. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of (laughs) funny. Kind of wish that could happen in real life. Yeah, that'd be great. Now, have you played around with the editor at all? So you can like basically just move stuff around without having to push it and pull it yourself? Just a little bit. I've gone into it. I've moved a couple of things around. But I haven't spent an extensive amount of time with it, now. I was just going to say, I think for me, it's a much better way, especially I assume as your house gets larger and larger, of just kind of quickly decorating in a way that wasn't possible, at least I don't think in past Animal Crossing games. 
yeah, not the mainline games anyway. It's definitely a nice improvement. What about building stuff outside? Have you done much of that? Uh, maybe just a little bit. You know, I've made sort of a makeshift garden out behind my house. <laughs> I have a couple of hay bales and some fence pickets and a couple other things. And until I learn how to craft a real fence, I think that will have to do for keeping my flowers in. I think I placed a little tire chair, so I'm you know sort of trailer park crashing <laughs> it out say, there. You sound like a hobo. And uh, then I've got a hammock out there next to the tree as well. Ah, nice. And then, of course, before Blathers showed up, I had like, you know, 53 aquariums out there in my front yard. It was just <laughs> chaos out there. Fish and spiders everywhere. Yeah, I heard your uh, townsfolk were t- kind of talking trash about you. Yeah, well, I'm the island representative, so they can go suck my football fish. <laughs> yeah, and uh, for me, I've built some outdoor items, and uh, I think it's kind of fun that you can like just put it in your neighbor's yard. <laughs> that's true you can like didn't really think of that yet well like i built a tiki torch and i was like i don't really have room for this so i'm just gonna go put it over by this dude's house <laughs> you know i should probably do that too i think i built one just for fun but just in my inventory so yeah i'll uh, take it over to antonio's or something <laughs> like that yeah i think i have like a kitty pool in another person's yard too yeah very nice now have you spent any time going over to other real people's islands and uh, creating chaos over there <laughs> i did visit one so far, but it was pretty fun, and I'm glad I did it. It's kind of what you expect. It seems quicker for any Animal Crossing game I've played in the past. Quicker? You mean in a good way or a bad way? Quicker as far as like the circumstance of like talking to a person and then saying, yes, I'd like to go to this person's island, and then going to that person's island. But I will say by most video game standards, I feel like it's still sort of a lengthy process. Oh, yeah. It can definitely be a bit tedious, especially if you don't have the greatest connection. Uh, But once over there, you know, I was definitely running around, was talking to a friend of mine, and then he also had another friend over who I didn't know. And, you know, of course, some items were dropped on the ground, and I just decided to take one and uh, (laughs) sort of grief people. Yeah, that sounds like you. The other thing that happened was, you know, I was very early in the game, and I didn't realize I didn't have a shovel yet. And I wasn't sure how to get iron ore. So mm. I knew that if you ate fruit and used an axe on the stone, you could crumble the stone and get some item in return. Right, right. And I kind of thought that's what you were supposed to do early on, but it turns out that's not really necessarily a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I went around his village just breaking all his stones, and he had no idea. And then he saw me <laughs> He saw me break the last one right in front of him. Wow. And he was like, my rock. <laughs> and then I apologized, but he had no idea that I did that to the other rocks. And neither of us knew if they came back. <laughs> so, uh-huh. Well, this is why I haven't invited you over yet. <laughs> well, I'm glad that they came back because otherwise I would have felt like a real jerk. But it is kind of nice because, you know, you can actually do that if you want to move the rock. So Yeah, it's true. If you have one in a terrible location, you can try to get it closer to your home. Yeah, I've only gone over to a couple islands myself. I haven't wreaked too much havoc. I admit I did find a fossil that hadn't been claimed yet, so I dug it up and kept it for my own. Oh, but other than that, sneaky. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Dirty pool. <laughs> but other than that, I've mostly just been uh, you know, getting fruit that I don't have yet. The only thing I'm missing at this point is cherries. I still got to get those. But everything else I have got and is now growing on my island, thanks to the friends I visited. I need cherries, too. I think I have, uh, yeah, pears, oranges, peaches. 
Yeah, I have a friend who was growing them. They hadn't sprouted yet, so I'm going to go back there soon. I'll get those. And then, if you promise not to break all my rocks, maybe I'll share them with you. <laughs> I also have coconuts, you know, planting palm trees on the island. Yep, got those as well. Now, this game has the ability to, you can go to these basically other desert islands. Yeah, and I haven't actually done that yet. So what's that like? So that really is the only way, at least in my opinion, in the early game to get, unless you're like spoiled with rock abundance, um, it's the only way to get tons of extra iron ore. Hmm. Now, you don't get tons, tons, but you do get maybe like... I don't know, somewhere in the range of 7 to 15 pieces no, not every bad. time you go. It also is how you can meet other townsfolk. Right, that's what I heard. That's why I haven't gone yet, because at this point, I don't think I can support other villagers. <laughs> I think I have to build the shop first, and then after that, I'll be able to get the villagers. So I've been kind of holding off on going until after that. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, basically, once you tell people to come to your town, then Tom Nook will have you, like basically build their locations right, right. and there actually is this kind of cool thing where in order for these people to move in i think it happens when you have three villagers waiting to move in i don't know for that for a fact but once there's three that are waiting tom nook gives you the responsibility to go pick where they're going to live right and then once you choose that then it tells you here are the six items that need to be crafted in order for them to move here Oh, interesting. Didn't know about that. Yeah, so then you basically build three interior items and three exterior items, and you leave them at the location, and then, lo and behold, they move in slowly. Huh, I kind of like that. That was something that was sort of in Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, where in order to get visitors to come visit your campsite, you had to craft, like, five items that they really wanted. And they've gotten rid of that as the time has gone on, and it's now a much more boring process (laughs) for getting new villagers but yeah that was something i liked that was in there before that i appreciate them having in that game and i did not know about so that's pretty cool yeah i will say it's a little funny because it doesn't really give you that list anywhere and you have like three houses with six items each so that's like 18 items i had to craft oh boy and that list doesn't get written down anywhere (laughs) so literally i screenshotted it using the switch function Mm -hmm. and then just kept switching between the screenshot program and animal crossing but I was also thinking, you know, wow, this is the first time I feel like I could write something down or, like, take a picture with my phone. It just felt a little funky that I had to, like, resort to, like, other means to, like, keep track of all the things I needed to build. All right. Well, I'll be sure to keep that in mind. So, yeah, just earlier today, I finally was able to get those 30 iron nuggets I needed to build that shop. And so soon I'll have that, soon I'll be able to do all the things associated with that. But, yeah, I've been doing that. I've been gathering fruit. I've been, you know, crafting lots of stuff. You know, I had, I think it was a dead body that washed up <laughs> on the beach. Uh, that was interesting. I think that was Gulliver. Oh, you're right. It was Gulliver. <laughs> what happened to him? Who killed him? You know, if you talk to him multiple times, he'll talk to you, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. I did that now that you mention it. <laughs> yep. I guess he wasn't dead after all. <laughs> yeah, he, I think he just had too much milk. <laughs> yep. Had too much milk to drink, fell over the side of his ship, washed up on the island. So yeah, I've had some encounters with Gulliver. I've had an encounter with Wisp the Ghost and had to gather up the parts of his body. Oh, right. And of course, I've also had encounters with a few spiders. (laughs) Mostly, I've been able to capture them and sell them off, but uh, there was one. It bit me right on the keister, knocked me out cold. Yeah, they'll do that. Cursed spiders. They're a menace. Now, I've seen a couple others. One of the uh, Able sisters showed up. Oh, right. I expect them to come eventually. Sure. But they're used in a slightly different capacity. I forget which one it is, Mabel or Abel. Or wait, Mabel or 
Sable? <laughs> Got me. I don't know. One of the Able sisters shows up periodically, and she kind of sets up a little, like, basically like a little blanket in the rec center and offers her wares just ad hoc throughout the day. Okay. And then she disappears, you know, the rest of the time. I also ran into this fellow named Harvey, who's kind of like a hippie dog. <laughs> Hmm, okay. Who invited me to go to his island, and I guess he's a designer uh, of some variety. So uh, he's very into DIY, was very into checking out Booze Royale and uh, seeing how things were progressing. But he's wearing very much like kind of John Lennon sunglasses and clearly talked with a whatever man. Okay, yeah, I haven't encountered him either. I'll have to keep an eye out for that. Yeah, good times. But, you know, you kind of bring up a very interesting point. And that is how much stuff this game hides from you. Like, if you didn't really know what this game is about, you just turn it on for the first time, you start playing, everything seems so simple and basic. It's like, if you didn't know all this stuff is coming, it kind of feels like, you know, the most shallow game ever. <laughs> you know, if you played for one day, it's like, really? This is all I do? I just wander around? I can't go to most places on the island? I just can catch a few fish and bugs and seashells and then my stuff breaks oh man what kind of game is this and you know even you know basic things like a reasonable inventory size and like we were talking about the quick select wheel are kind of hidden rewards that you have to unlock by continued play and uh, you know it just doesn't seem like there's that much there but that's what's kind of cool about the game is the fact that the more you play the more you get and eventually you're going to be able to craft like a zillion items and build bridges and paths and fancy buildings and eventually like totally alter the landscape and that stuff isn't even hinted at in what you play in the early goings it's just kind of crazy when you think of it that way yeah it is it's a very bizarre game like i have a friend that i'm trying to talk into buying it and i just don't even know how to really sell it to him like the game explanation just doesn't really sound all that appealing to some people (laughs) but it's one of those games you just kind of have to like spend a day with it play it do the stuff you can do and then play it again the next day and see what's changed. And yep, yep. if it still doesn't draw you in, you know, it may never, but there is. There is something, you know, sort of compelling about the way it works. And I think especially right now with everybody sort of being stuck indoors and, you know, just kind of like looking for things to pass the time, this game is like... Yeah, looking for a way to relax. Yeah. And honestly, like, yeah, I hate to say it like this, but it's kind of like real gardening where... You know, when you first start gardening, you're like, what am I doing? (laughs) I'm in the dirt. I have no evidence of what I'm doing is working. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden in a few weeks, you're like, wow, this thing looks amazing. And it's kind of the same way. It's like Animal Crossing, you get what you put into it. And it's just kind of a fun time sink that uh, is rewarding in a lot of ways. Yeah, you're not wrong about that, but it is definitely a slow burn. You just have to, you know, keep at it. And eventually you will be rewarded for all the stuff you are doing. You know, while I am enjoying my time with it so far, like I was saying, I do wish it was a bit more user-friendly. You know, I kind of wish that the tools were put in a separate inventory and, you know, didn't really count towards your existing inventory space. I mean, make your regular inventory smaller if that's what it takes, but it's kind of annoying just to have to juggle those along with all your other items. And also, I kind of wish that when you went to craft something, it would automatically take your materials out of storage it's kind of like why do i have to be carrying all this stuff with (laughs) me to do this constantly i just feel like there are a lot of ways it could be just a little bit more user-friendly you know yeah i mean another one that kind of has killed me forever is like when you're picking things up 
could it just like give you a warning that you have like one more space in your inventory? <laughs> like, yeah. Like otherwise, you know, you pick up that last thing and it's like, oh, my pockets are full. Yep. It's like, I just got this rare fish. I have to get rid of something now. <laughs> it's like, couldn't there just be like a little sound effect? Like, oh, uh-huh, you uh-huh. your last item. No more space is full. Anyway. Yeah, that's a very good point. There are just a lot of little quality of life things I think they could add that would go a long way towards making this game just a little bit more playable, you know? Yeah. I think my only other big gripe that I was kind of hoping for with this is just the <laughs> the conversation arcs with the NPCs. If they're, like, the people that come and visit or, like, the townsfolk, that's one thing. But, like, the actual neighbors, it's just... The conversations are just so limited and you can't really guide the conversation. Like every now and then there's like something that comes up where you can give them an item or, you know, Mm -hmm. some deeper convo. But mostly it's just you have two options when you talk to somebody. Hey, what's going on? And hey, peace. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. It would be nice if you were able to have some branching answers or something like that. But, you know, considering how many characters are in the game and how much dialogue is already in there, that would probably just absolute murder on the development <laughs> yeah, team you know? it's true it's true but part of me longs for some kind of deeper interaction but yeah i agree i think it'll be a great addition i guess that's not what this game is for so personally if i could you know see things add in later updates i think that would be great i would also and i know i mentioned this previously like to see some sort of new activities you know maybe some sort of farming type activities, maybe some cooking type activities. You know, it doesn't seem like anybody on this island eats anything except for fruit, and I'm afraid that we're all gonna, you know, starve or be malnourished from not getting our protein or something <laughs> soon. So that'd be something cool to add in there. I think cooking would be fun. Yeah, it is pretty wild, and I think the, just the simple fact that this game is updatable via the internet is pretty exciting. Nintendo seems to really be supporting games. And the fact that this sold so well, I feel like it bodes well for the future of Animal Crossing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with a game like this, it doesn't feel like there are any limits whatsoever. They just keep updating this for ages and ages to come. I mean, just knowing how much stuff is down the road that's already built into the game makes me feel like they could be doing some really interesting, cool things as this experience evolves. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, ultimately... It's never going to be in the same league for me as a Mario or a Zelda or a Metroid or a Fire Emblem. But for what it is, I'm having a really, really good time. And for what it's worth, I did end up getting the digital version. I was not able to go out and get the physical. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a first for me. Actually going out and buying the digital version of a full-priced, full-fledged first-party game. But, you know, in the end, that is possibly going to be for the best because I do anticipate playing this game pretty much daily for a long, long time as I build my ideal island. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I honestly think that digital might be the way to go on this one for most folks, simply because you want to be able to play it and you don't always need to be able to play it for very long. Yeah, exactly. And it's just kind of one of those games that are super nice to have with you always. Yep, I feel the same way. It's probably one I'm going to be playing for quite a long haul. Yeah, and coming in at, you know, six gigabytes, I think it is. I think most people with a, any sort of memory card should be fine. Yeah, that's definitely appreciated as well. All right, well, moving along from there, I have actually been playing one other recent release on my Switch, and that is La Mulana 1 and 2 Hidden Treasures Edition. Ooh, Hidden Treasures. Yeah, this includes not only both games on a single game card, but also includes an art book, a music CD, a 100-piece jigsaw puzzle, 
and then some deluxe packaging with a sleeve that includes all these items inside. But definitely, the most important aspect is the two games, La Mulana 1 and La Mulana 2, which are both 2D side-view action-adventure games. They're basically Indiana Jones meets Metroid. You play a whip-wielding archaeologist named Lameza Kasugi in the first La Mulana, and you are exploring these vast underground ruins of the same name. And they are full of traps and enemies and puzzles. And let me tell you, these are very, very tricky puzzles and traps a lot of the times. You've got collapsing floors, false walls, invisible walkways, spiked pits, fake spiked pits, blocks that come out of the ceiling and crush you, just all kinds of stuff. You've constantly got to stay on your toes, read every hint, and try everything. It is uh, quite the challenge for sure. Yeah, just looking at the screenshots, I do remember this one being announced and it looks great. Yeah, it's got a really fantastic 16-bit aesthetic. And, you know, in addition to these puzzles, you know, I mean, I really wouldn't call it a puzzle platformer because there's a huge emphasis on fighting enemies and, uh, you know, discovering items and using those as well. I mean, there's some sort of puzzle on just about every screen, like, you know, you place a stone block on a pedestal and usually that reveals a treasure or unlocks a door. Of course, sometimes they totally, you know, change things up. Like, oh, guess what? You place this thing here, it's going to unleash a trap. And then suddenly, you know, a big statue falls on you and kills you in an instant hit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah, it plays kind of dirty. There are a lot of things in this game that pique your curiosity, but then they will result in a game over. (laughs) And you don't really know that stuff until you try, and it's just something you sort of have to accept if you are playing this game. But yeah, there's lots of uh, sub-weapons you can collect, like a gun and a shield. There are items that let you do things, such as swimming underwater. And then, you know, there are these big mean bosses to fight as well. So yeah, it's got, you know, pretty much a little bit of everything. Like I said, it's very tough. It can certainly get frustrating in sort of an old-school NES-style, how-would-anyone-ever-figure-this-out kind of way. But it is still fun, and it's definitely very satisfying when you do figure this stuff out. Yeah, that's cool. I will be honest... You know, I don't think I ever even beat the first boss and conquered the first area when this game was out on WiiWare, like, back in 2012. But, you know, with this version, you know, I've finally done that at least, so (laughs) I am slowly making progress. Admittedly, I was kind of hoping the game would maybe have some easier difficulty settings or maybe an improved in-game hint system over the WiiWare counterpart, but, you know, that's not the case. Uh, Indeed, it is a tough experience. But then... Beyond that one, there is La Mulana 2, which is kind of more of the same, (laughs) but you do get to play as Lameza's daughter this time, Lumisa, and she's a bit more nimble than her dad. Her jump is easier to control, plus she can duck, which her dad can't do. Her dad is like Mega Man, no ducking allowed. And it actually starts out in the same ruins as the first game, but apparently they got totally trashed in whatever occurs in that title by the time the game ends. So it's kind of cool to go back and retrace this familiar ground and explore this dilapidated version of the first game's early areas. It's kind of like in Super Metroid when you go back to the old Metroid area, you know? Oh yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so that's kind of neat. But you know, pretty soon after that you get thrown into all new ruins called Eglana, which offers you know, completely new areas, but very similar action. Again, lots of weapons, lots of items, lots of hazards, lots of enemies, all kinds of tricky riddles, albeit with a bit more of a Norse mythology twist. 
Uh, and of course, it still has you know, like hilarious collapsing ceilings that kill you out of nowhere and all sorts of other trial and error nastiness. In this one, I think I made it to the first boss, but it absolutely obliterated me. I feel like I wasn't even supposed to be there yet. Maybe it's an optional boss or something. I don't know. But still, despite all the challenge, I definitely like it. But I kind of admit, for both of these games, man, if they still made strategy guides, I would totally use them for sure. I'm not going to lie. A couple other notes about this package in general. Uh, the sprite art, as we mentioned, is excellent and nicely detailed. The soundtrack is really, really fantastic, especially in La Mulana 2. And while the controls are pretty good overall, the jumping is a little bit floaty and takes a little bit of getting used to in both titles, so keep that in mind. The games can be bought separately through the eShop. La Mulana 1 is $15 and La Mulana 2 is $25, or you can get this whole deluxe physical package like I did for $60. And like I said, despite getting my butt kicked, I think both games are very fun, if incredibly challenging. I think it's a great balance to be going back and forth between something that's totally calm and relaxing, like Animal Crossing, and then something that's completely intense, like the La Mulana games. So if you want something that will really test your skills and bounce out all that fishing and bug catching, these games are very easy to recommend. Uh, just make sure you know that you will be in for a tough time and uh, don't throw that controller out the window. <laughs> Thanks for the advice, Chris. <laughs> no problem. That takes care of our game impressions for this episode, so let's move along to a little bit of news. The first thing I wanted to mention in the news this week is that there is a new company out there specializing in physical releases for Switch. They're called Physicality Games, and one of their first releases is the Guilty Gear 20th Anniversary Pack. You can pre-order this game now from physicalitygames.com, and it includes two great classic 2D fighting games, the original Guilty Gear and then Guilty Gear XX Accent Core Plus. Guilty Gear, I think, is a pretty darn cool game that uh, you know, kind of set a new visual standard in fighting games when it came out you know, 20 years ago and sort of helped reinvigorate the declining genre a little bit. Accent Core Plus, on the other hand, is arguably the series' most refined entry so far. You know, these are pretty hardcore fighting games. They are not recommended for fighting game newbies, really, but it's a pretty nifty piece of fighting game history. And in addition to the games themselves, it comes with a steelbook case, three acrylic character standees, a 20th anniversary medal, and a collector's tin. This is definitely on my want list. What about you, Pete? Uh, Guilty Gear does nothing for me, Chris. <laughs> okay, fair enough then. Moving right along. <laughs> Speaking of physical releases on Switch, there are a couple exciting ones out now at limitedrungames.com. Streets of Rage 4 currently has open pre-orders. There is a regular edition for $35 and a classic edition in a Genesis-style clamshell box for $60. Bucks. You know, normally this is the kind of thing I would buy pretty much instantly, but it's an open pre-order until the game launches digitally, and we don't really know when that is yet. So, you know, I'm kind of biding my time, and I believe they'll be announcing, like, some super extra spiffy collector's edition during that window. So I'm kind of holding out for that. This feels like a game you might buy twice. Streets of Rage 4? Yes, I very possibly could. <laughs> Most likely uh, the digital version so I can get it right at launch, and then like the spiffiest collector's edition I can get my mitts on, if uh, I get my way, you know? Yep, that's what I would have pegged you for. 
<laughs> it's highly likely, yes, highly likely indeed. Then on top of that, the Panzer Dragoon remake is available now for a physical pre-order, as well as the remake of Shadowgate. And those will both be available as open pre-orders until April 24th. Hmm, you had me at Shadowgate. <laughs> have you played that one yet at all, the remake? I have not, but I still kind of have high hopes. Yeah, I believe it's already out in the eShop. You should uh, give it a try. All right, will do. So that is a lot of retro-inspired goodness available from Limited Run Games right now, but there is also another retro-style game that I am very interested in. It is called Sea of Stars, which currently has a campaign running on Kickstarter. Pete, have you been paying attention to this one at all? Yeah, I saw this one kind of come out of nowhere, and I'm impressed. It seems like the developers of The Messenger... Yep, Sabotage Studios. ...are trying a uh, Kickstarter out. Not so much from a, we're not going to make it if you don't fund it, but from a, we're going to spend all our money, but we also want your money to kind of see if you guys are interested in this. And I'm okay with that. And obviously people are, because it was funded almost instantly, and they are now proceeding towards stretch goals. It looks great, and that's not too surprising considering the pedigree of the developer. But what is surprising is that it's a 2D retro RPG, and there isn't a ninja to be seen so far. Instead, you play as characters named Zale and Valer, who are the children of the solstice, and they wield the powers of the sun and the moon to perform what is called eclipse magic. And, you know, we're talking about this game even though they haven't announced the platforms yet. It's not coming out until 2022, but, you know, I have a sneaking suspicion that whatever Nintendo platform is out there in a couple of years, it will probably be landing on. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely interesting to me. I mean, it's funny to see like a company like Yacht Club Games make Shovel Knight and then just continue to make Shovel Knight games for <laughs> years and years. And then you have somebody like Sabotage Studios that, you know, makes The Messenger and then their next game is nothing like The Messenger. And <laughs> it just it's interesting to me that it's a wholly different game and seemingly no ninjas. <laughs> yeah, it'll be very interesting to see if it does tie into that mythology much at all. But uh, don't blame Yacht Club Games. All that stuff was in the Kickstarter. You know, those were all stretch goals. So uh, it's all our fault for uh, supporting them so much that caused them to make so many years of uh, Shovel Knight content. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, this game looks great. It's visually very striking. The environments appear to be highly interactive, like you can jump over things you can swim you can climb and also you can actually change the time of day which is incorporated into these sun and moon based puzzles so yeah the game is looking really really sharp the battles they take place right there on the main map kind of like chrono trigger and even though the combat is turn-based it has this timing element similar to super mario rpg where you, you know, land extra hits with a timed button press. So, yeah, I think this game is looking really, really excellent. I really love The Messenger, and I don't mind saying I have already backed this title. I definitely am looking forward to when it comes out down the road. Yeah, they're definitely stealing from some cool source material, so I am paying attention. Yeah, if you're going to borrow, might as well borrow from the best. That's right. Think you're going to back it, Pete? Yeah, I do, actually, on this one. I think it makes sense. Okay, cool. And then the last bit of news I wanted to mention today is an update on Shantae and the Seven Sirens, uh, which, of course, is from WayForward, the company I work for. And yeah, just earlier today, we made an announcement that uh, the game now has a tentative release date on Nintendo Switch, as well as other platforms. It's finally coming out on May 28th. I know a lot of people have been looking forward to that. I was, you know, a big fan of the series before I ever did any work for them. 
But yeah, it is cool to see that that game is only about two months off. I mean, obviously, there is a lot of stuff going on in the world that you know could be beyond our control. And so we're saying, well, you know, it's possible that could shift, but we don't really expect it to, but we shall see. At any rate, I'm just uh, very excited to see that game finally getting into people's hands. I know console players have been very, very patient, and I think it is going to be a whole lot of fun. It basically combines you know, all the best elements of the previous Shantae games, you know, the HD visuals of Half-Genie Hero, the non-linear interconnected world of Risky's Revenge, the instant use abilities for traversal, the dancing play mechanics that have been in there since the very beginning, and yeah, I just think it's going to shape up into something that fans are really, really happy with, and uh, can't wait for everyone to finally enjoy it. Cool, yeah, I'll be looking forward to that one. Can you tell me if Risky Boots is in there? Oh yeah, she is in there. There's new characters, there's old characters, there's Risky Boots characters. Yep, everybody's favorite nefarious lady pirate is definitely part of the cast. All right, splendid. <laughs> Please look forward to it. And that does it for our news for this week. So I think now we will answer a little bit of listener mail. We got a few comments on our Super Smash Brothers Ultimate roster picks from last episode. A few of these coming via Twitter. This first one is from at LoveMySNES, who writes, I really hope Lara Croft is one of the characters. I feel like there needs to be more female characters. Chun-Li and Sonya Blade would make great additions as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, can we also get uh, Shantae in there? Yeah, I would like that as well. And for me, another great female character I would love to see is Pauline. Yeah, you mentioned she is the mayor extraordinaire. Yes, yes, indeed. She seems like such a strong female character and a much better leader than other Mario characters, such as, oh, I don't know, Princess Peach. So I would love to see her <laughs> go in there and get to duke it out with everybody else in Super Smash Brothers. You never know, a ribbon girl may make an appearance. She might, she might. But uh, yeah, obviously we both picked Lara Croft last episode, so naturally we want to see her in there as well. Then we have a comment from at sphil64 who says, I'd like to see a hunter from Monster Hunter. Rygar would also be an interesting choice. So would a boy and his blob, for that matter. Oh yeah, you know, I could see those. I think you mentioned the boy and his blob, didn't you? I don't think I've ever mentioned that one. I mean, it's definitely interesting. It's not one that uh, I would ever expect to get in there. But uh, yes, using jelly bean based attacks would definitely be a new one for Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that one making it in. The Monster Hunter is cool. I wonder if his like timing would come into play because, you know, <laughs> Monster Hunter, there is definitely some timing elements with the uh, weapon attacking. <laughs> it's true. They are known for their very slow windup for their attacks. <laughs> and then, of course, Rygar. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe I didn't think of that. Yeah, he's basically, you know, Captain America of the video game world. Yeah, he was totally not one I thought of either. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's got a killer spinning death yo-yo, you know, that would be a pretty darn cool weapon, I have to admit. We should get to Karnov in there, too, while we're at it. <laughs> Yeah, let's see what we can do about that. <laughs> uh, then we have a comment from at Smirgledial, who writes, A lot of people seem to forget quote from Cave Story. Everybody sees Shovel Knight as the face of indies, but forget who really started the indie renaissance. Hopefully he gets the Sans treatment as a me costume. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't even think of quote, but, you know, I think he would make sense. Yeah, I didn't think of him either, but, I mean, I love Cave Story. You know, it was definitely on the front lines of any success stories. I mean, I'm not sure it has quite the recognition of a Shovel Knight or a Shantae in the indie community, but I do agree it is a fantastic game, and if he got some representation, that would be pretty excellent. 
Yeah, I mean, and not only that, but imagine what a cave story level would look like. Yeah, they could have lots of cool potential there for sure. Then we have a letter here from listener Bedroth, who had several comments about things we discussed in the last episode, first commenting about the cancellation of E3. I'll be curious to see where E3 goes from here as well. I guess we can expect a lot more Nintendo Direct-like news from all the different companies. I'm kind of hoping that when companies see how much money they save without taking a hit in sales, they'll work with the conference to find a middle ground, like a return to a media-centric E3, but with a robust streaming schedule and lots of demos dropping, rather than having to house and pay for thousands of fans in person. As for Smash Brothers, I really liked all of your suggestions. I feel like Crash Bandicoot has a good chance of getting in somewhere in these six. He's been making a bit of a resurgence lately, and he'd fit in well with the other mascots. You know they're going to add a Pokemon from the last gen, and I think Rillaboom has a real shot. It would fit sort of the pattern after Grey Ninja and Incineroar, too. If I could get my own Dream 6 in, though, they'd have to be Geno, Fawful, Shantae, Impa from Ocarina or Hyrule Warriors, Frisk from Undertale, a really weird idea at face value, but I was convinced by a video my kids watched on YouTube, and then, Marla, Luca, or Ayla from Chrono Trigger. We have enough swords, people, and enough boys, or I'd say Chrono. Stay safe out there, and keep podcasting with power. <laughs> well, thanks, Bedroth. Yes, thank you indeed. And those are indeed some good choices. I especially like the thought of having Crash Bandicoot in there. I mean, he might not have quite the name value he used to, but, you know, having him and Mario and Sonic, man, that would be like the heyday of the you know Saturn, PlayStation, and <laughs> 64 wars all there in one game. And I have to admit, that would be pretty darn cool. And most of the others I would not object to either, although I have to confess I have completely forgotten who Frisk from Undertale is. <laughs> well, you know... Crash Bandicoot's not allowed. I mean, he was outside Nintendo of America with a Megahorn, and he's not welcome back, so. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they've forgiven him for that by now. I don't know. I don't know what the statute of limitations on that is. Trust me. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> anyway, that takes care of our letters for this episode. So I think it's time to close up the mailbag. Then we will take an intermission, and then when we come back, hey, um, we will discuss... What? Hey, Huff? Yes, Pete? Is there an issue? Do you have more mail or something? There's a letter here, and it says, Hassle the Huff. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Clever, clever. I doubt that's true, but all right. I see where this is going, so all right. Bring it on. Let's do this thing. <laughs> all right. Dear Video Game Professor Hoffman. Yes? Who would win in a fight between Lumisa Kosuge from La Mulana 2, and Shantae from the Shantae series. Huh. That is a very peculiar question, Pete. And I'm really not sure it's a fair question at all. I mean, on the one hand, I have been a Shantae fan for years and years, and I now work for the company that makes the Shantae games, that being way forward. <laughs> so I kind of know Shantae in and out, and uh, she's a pretty popular character, could do lots of things. Lumisa, on the other hand, while she seems pretty cool, has only been in one game so far that I'm aware of, and I've only spent maybe two hours playing as her. But, you know, with all that in mind, with the fact that I might just be a little biased, I will try to answer your question. Now, as far as I know, Lumisa can wield a whole lot of weapons 
She uses a whip mostly, but she can also use stuff like throwing stars. And we know that she is very skilled at evading traps for the most part. Mm -hmm. And she's exploring these ruins. You know, there's all kinds of instant death traps and things that could do her in in a second. All kinds of monsters, all kinds of tricks. So we know she has to be very smart, one would assume. One would assume. Shantae, on the other hand, you know, she is a half-genie. She can transform into various animals. She has lethal hair. She's so tough, she doesn't even hit people. I mean, she kicks people sometimes. But she <laughs> really just beats people and monsters into oblivion with her hair. On top of that, she can use all kinds of magic. She can shoot fireballs. She can surround herself with orbs that uh, destroy bad guys. You know, she could even put up a defensive shield. So... You take all that into account. I think it'd be a pretty knockdown, drag-out fight, but I imagine that what would probably happen eventually, you know, they would both be going at it. I mean, Shantae, she wouldn't really want to hurt another human, I don't think. I think that, you know, psychologically, Lamisa would probably have the edge. <laughs> but just given how things tend to go in La Mulana 2, I think at some point, like, Shantae would accidentally transform into an elephant and probably, like crush Lumisa into oblivion totally by accident. <laughs> so, you know, as, as tough as it is to say, I just kind of think that's how it would go down. It would just be, you know, squish, splat, that's the end for her, just like tends to happen in the game. You know, you can be walking along and suddenly, oh, here comes a collapsing roof out of nowhere, squash, it's all over. So, yeah, I think that's how it would go down. And, you know, even if that <laughs> didn't happen, Shantae does have the ability to use invincibility magic so that might also turn things in favor if it really came down to it so like i said i think i am probably very biased it's not really a fair question but uh yeah that's what i'm going with i think shantae would take the victory probably through those means huh wow well that was very descriptive and i appreciate that and i think you might be right you know it's kind of unfair to pit a very skilled human versus a half-genie of any variety. <laughs> so, Yeah, yeah, it's not really a fair fight. But nonetheless, I hope I have given a satisfactory answer to your question. I believe so. I believe so. Okay, all right then. In that case, it's time for us to take our intermission, and then when we come back, we will discuss this week's big topic, which is our discussion of the Double Direct. are back and we are ready to discuss this week's big topic which we are calling double direct that is a discussion of the recent nintendo direct mini as well as the recent indie world showcase now pete 
as we're recording this, we're only about a day away from the Centeno Direct Mini. And let me tell you, expectations seem to be pretty darn high, given that at the time, we really didn't have any idea of what was coming down the pipe from Nintendo. We didn't have any release dates for anything after Animal Crossing, and people were just desperate for <laughs> more information. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I'm not sure that this really satisfied everybody. I mean, just looking at this from a top-level perspective, did you think this was a great Nintendo Direct as far as minis go? Did you think it was lackluster? What were your overall thoughts? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think when I first watched it, I was actually like pleasantly surprised. I think that my number one takeaway was that it was a lot of stuff that just was available immediately. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which to me is always kind of like a benefit because, yeah, I, like, I want to know what's new and also have new things to play. So on one hand, yes, for sure. But then as soon as it was over, I sort of took to the interwebs and I saw that it wasn't so well received. At the same time, I think it's a mix. I don't think it's probably the best Nintendo Direct ever. I think that there are a ton of question marks still. Like, even of all the first-party things that were announced, there were really no new first-party AAA, no chance, but, like, even A? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there really weren't a whole lot of new revelations coming out of this. There were definitely no megatons, which I think people had kind of been expecting it, having it been so long since the last sure. Direct. So I think that's why people were let down a little bit. But uh, yeah, it was just nice to get some new news out there. And as far as I'm concerned, it was just, you know, reassuring to see that there is a bunch of cool stuff down the pipeline. Totally. And for me, you know, personally, I feel like my Switch backlog is just, it couldn't be more <laughs> packed. <laughs> so the, Yeah, I know, totally. So the fact that there's not like just a bunch of new stuff coming is kind of okay with me. That being said, you know, there was some pretty cool stuff announced. As I mentioned, there's a lot that you could play right this instant, which is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. It might be a pretty quiet April, but there's a lot more to it than that. But let's stop talking in generalities and get into some of the specifics, mm -hmm. starting with the latest news on Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. We sort of know who the next character is going to be. Yeah, and the fact that it's a character from ARMS is really no surprise, I guess. I mean... It... I'm shocked. I'm totally surprised. <laughs> you know, we just did our character picks in the last episode. That was definitely not on either of our radars. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Nintendo totally threw us a curveball by doing a first-party character and also doing a character from ARMS, which it felt like the company had totally forgotten about. I mean, you know, months ago, years ago, before... Smash Bros. was out. I thought that the ARMS character was a no-brainer and it was a pick for my roster, but then when that didn't happen and the series was relegated just to an assist trophy, I'm like, okay, yeah, Nintendo doesn't really care about this. It's just <laughs> kind of being backburnered or something. But no, then they come back and like, hey, it is indeed an ARMS character. Right. So for me, it was a big surprise. Yeah, I mean, you're right. In a lot of ways, it is a surprise. The fact that like a whole five characters came out and none of them were ARMS. And as you said, yes, they've appeared as like assist trophies. And by and large, it does seem like they were going to just skip right over it. Mm -hmm. But I guess, you know, if you think about it, it does make sense. So like ARMS had some cool characters. You would like to see, you know, some sort of element of them showing up in this game. And it does make sense to me now from almost like a, you know, throw it back into the machine and maybe get some more, you know, there's more Switch owners now than there were when... ARMS came out and maybe some people who are now picking up systems 
had no idea that this game existed because Nintendo really hasn't pushed it much. And you combine that with the fact that it is, you know, now free to play for a few weeks. I feel like it's a pretty good move on Nintendo's part. It probably gives some more longevity to the game. And who knows, it might give it a second win that it needs. Yeah, there definitely could be a marketing aspect to it. But I'm just excited about the fact that really it does seem like a good fit to have an ARMS character in Smash. And it should be pretty fun and different from a gameplay perspective. Now, of course, they didn't say exactly which character it was. (laughs) But do you have any preferences or thoughts or predictions as to who it might be? I mean, the smart money might be on Springman or Ribbon Girl because they're sort of the main characters in the game, but it really seems like it could be anybody. In fact, it might even be more than one character. I wouldn't be surprised if there were Echo Fighters involved, or maybe they just change things up a little bit and it's alternate costumes for just one character or something. But I really wouldn't be surprised if it was you know, somehow more than one. Yeah, I mean, I think you're kind of right on the money there. It seems like you could really have, like, not all of them, but, like, a lot of them. And at this point, I'm kind of just excited to have somebody without a sword be announced. (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. But for me personally, if I could pick any character, I will stick with the one that I said would be a good fit back when we first talked about Smash Brothers Ultimate Characters, and that is Max Brass. Ah. Not exactly final boss, but I like him. I think he'd be cool. And to have, you know, sort of the champion character instead of just the uh, sort of main character, I think, would be pretty nifty. So, you know, will it be him? Will it be one of the other crazy characters? We'll find out in June. Yeah, you know, I kid about the sword, but I think it really will be cool to see sort of their attacks and how that's going to work, because obviously with the uh, distance-ranged attacks, it's going to be pretty cool and unique as a fighter. Yeah, and maybe we'll get uh, Dalsim as an Echo Fighter as well. (laughs) Hmm, perhaps. Of course, that was just one of many announcements. There was also news about upcoming first-party games, some known, some unknown, and perhaps the biggest one was Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, which now has a release date of May 29th. Yeah, I definitely thought of you when I saw this. Yeah, I'm certainly a big Xenoblade Chronicles fan of the series in general, and this one is a modern sci-fi fantasy RPG that tells the story of the war between man and machine, the Makanis and the Bionis, with Shulk and his friends trying to stop the eradication of humanity. (laughs) As if that weren't enough. Yeah, and now it looks better than ever, sharper than ever on Nintendo Switch. It's gotten quite the facelift over its Wii and 3DS counterparts. And, you know, if I recall correctly, it's been a while since I played the game, you know, this game did have some fairly complex systems, but it was always easier to grasp than Xenoblade Chronicles 2, so I think it'll be more accessible to players than that game was. Apparently the menus are cleaner and easier to navigate, although right. I don't really remember that being a problem <laughs> in the old game, but it was something they pointed out, you know? Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, there's this whole new epilogue called Future Connected, and you know, I was kind of hoping that maybe you could just jump into this epilogue without playing through the whole 100-hour quest. If you're someone like me who's already played it and might not want to spend 100 hours to do that. But I was thinking like, nah, they wouldn't do that. That's not possible. And then they went ahead and announced, yes, you can do that. You don't have to play through the whole game. You can just go straight to that part if that's what you want to do. So for me, that's probably going to be worth the price of admission alone. Yeah, totally. So I know you've been clamoring for more Xenoblade, especially on Switch. Does this kind of scratch that itch or... Well, I mean, I've already played through this game before. I have never played all the way through Xenoblade Chronicles X, so I'd prefer that one if I could. 
But uh, hey, I'm not going to complain about this one. You know, I was kind of on the fence before about if I was going to pick it up, but knowing about this new content, I've decided, yeah, I'm definitely going to pick it up. And there is also, in addition to just the regular game, a definitive works set that comes out. It will include the game and a 250-page art book for an extra 20 bucks. So I think I'm going to be all in on this and pick up that version of the game. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you think you're going to get this one? Have you ever played it on Wii or have any interest in playing it? You know, I haven't played any of the Xenoblade games at all, and I kind of feel bad about it. So we will see. I'm still checking it out. Well, I feel like this would probably be a pretty good jumping on point. Kind of my impression so far. Yeah, it definitely seems so. And then, of course, we got an update on another upcoming RPG that comes out later this year, that being Bravely Default 2. So we've learned a little bit more about the gameplay and the story of this title. You play as the four new Heroes of Light who are guided by the crystals on a massive quest that seems to follow very much in the footsteps of previous Bravely Default games. It is set on the continent of Excellent, and it takes place in a wide variety of environments such as snowy mountains, grassy plains, and sparkling beaches. Visually, I thought the game was very pretty, quite stunning, had a great hand-drawn look to it that really takes the aesthetic that was established on 3DS to a whole new level. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I feel like, to me, this was probably the biggest announcement that I was excited about. You know, the Bravely Default series has been really interesting, and to me, it kind of is a throwback to the Final Fantasy roots. Yeah, yeah, it really does feel like that with the crystals and everything like that, and the look of the game, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, I downloaded the demo, which is, of course, available now. Yes, I grabbed it as well, but I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I played it just briefly, but the visuals are definitely as stunning as advertised. I really like what they're doing. It kind of almost feels like, you know, and this is just a layman looking at it, but it feels like they're using a technique similar to the Octopath Traveler style where you kind of have these like 3D models with sprites, like put it over the top of it, Mm -hmm. but it really translates well to the Switch. It feels like this painting kind of come to life. Yeah, and sort of has a pop-up book style aesthetic as well. Yeah, and I've only been in a few random encounters, but the enemy renders are really good. Like, it almost looks like Clay Fighter or something. Like, they're <laughs> almost reminds me of, like, Donkey Kong Country. Mm. Like, how it's almost like this weird CG meets 2D meets 3D, and it's really impressive how they've done it. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to playing that demo myself. Of course, we learned more about the characters as well. We know that the main hero is a guy named Seth, who, you know, in true classic RPG fashion, just sort of winds up washed up on a beach. (laughs) He is joined by Gloria, a princess of a lost kingdom. Then Adele, a female mercenary. And then Elvis, a traveling scholar who, you know, despite the fact that he has a thick Scottish accent, you know, I cannot wait for him to sing all of his greatest hits in this game. You know, it's very, very exciting. You know, nothing but a hound dog and all that stuff. (laughs) Well, Elvis definitely enjoys his milk. I read that much in the demo. As well as hopefully fried peanut butter and banana sandwiches, right? (laughs) That's right. But yes, it wouldn't be an RPG without a hero that wakes up not remembering anything. Yes, indeedy. And the battle system, of course, seems to be very much akin to the past Bravely Default games. You know, you'll be able to change job classes that give you a variety of skills. You can even combine job classes. And then, you know, you'll be able to use this deep turn-based combat system with a very strong risk-reward emphasis that lets you skip turns to charge up your battle points to then execute more actions all at once. And uh, yeah, like you said, there is that demo out there. They'll be taking feedback on that and applying that to the final game. And that comes out sometime later this year. 
Yeah, again, this was my big surprise for this Nintendo Direct Mini, and I couldn't be happier that it's finally coming to Switch. You know, this is kind of the RPG style that I like to sink my teeth into, and yeah, excited to play it. All right, I will most likely get it as well, but uh, I think you might actually be more excited for this one than I am. Hmm, wow. Now, on the totally opposite end of the gaming spectrum, <laughs> Nintendo announced a brand new title. It's coming out this June, June 5th to be exact. It is Clubhouse Games, 51 Worldwide Classics. <laughs> now, this is primarily a collection of 51 card and board games. Everything from checkers and mahjong to blackjack. But there's also a bunch of like random things thrown in, like air hockey, bowling, <laughs> fishing, golf, and these other toy sports games. And, you know, really, it could be like the best versions of Checkers and Mahjong ever. It's probably not going to do anything for me no matter what, you know? <laughs> it's just not my kind of thing. Yeah, chalk this up to the game that nobody really wanted. But, you know, at the same time, it doesn't look terrible. It looks like a game that might be fun to have if the price point no, is... I'm sure it's going to be fine for the right kind of audience. It's just not me. Right. I am not that audience. Totally. And if the price point is reasonable, I feel like it is a worthy purchase, you know, just for having something that, you know, everybody can play and you can, you know, play with grandma and, you know, there's a place for games like this. Yes. Yes, there is. It's called hell. <laughs> wow. I'm just kidding. I'm just wondering if it's going to have the Touch Generations logo on the package. <laughs> that is the funniest thing I've heard all week. <laughs> However, then, there is another game that Nintendo announced coming out much sooner. In fact, it's already out. It is a game called Good Job. <laughs> and it's basically what they're calling an action puzzle game where you need to accomplish tasks around this office, such as mopping and watering plants and moving boxes and vacuuming. And that all sounds horribly boring when you just say it out loud. But then you realize that what it really means is that you're causing chaos and hijinks and all sorts of nonsense as you break everything in sight trying to accomplish these tasks. You're like, you know, smashing walls, you're slingshotting objects. It seems very physics-based and very, very goofy. Yeah, this one, totally out of left field. I feel like, you know, it was like maybe one of those like side Nintendo projects, like akin to like, you know, Pushmo or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I actually think this looks fantastic. <laughs> I haven't played it yet. I really considered downloading this already. I almost thought about playing it before we uh, recorded, but I want to make sure I give it a chance, and it definitely looks like a fun game. Yeah, I'm certainly intrigued as well. To me, it immediately brought to mind the stretchers, you know, sort of a single-player version of that idea, and I consider that to be a very, very good thing. So I am also quite curious about this game. I would love to give it a spin and see if it lives up to those expectations. And uh, yeah, you know, we were kind of wondering what game is going to be coming next. What does Nintendo have lined up for April? And well, we found out, you know, they have Good Job, and it's not even in April. It's out right now. So uh, good job, Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, and it, $20 feels like, you know, obviously and kind of a no-brainer purchase. At the same time, just the concept looks really fun. I love the art style, and I am anxious to give this one a try. Yeah, I look forward to playing it as well. Now, in addition to all of those games that you know, were not out at the time of the Direct, there were a bunch of updates to existing games. You know, there was a little update on Animal Crossing New Horizons. They were telling us that the Bunny Day update is now available. That's an event that runs from April 1st through 12th. That's when Zipper the Fake Bunny visits your island <laughs> and allows you to hunt down his hidden eggs and craft exclusive Easter items. You say he's a another... fake bunny? Yeah, yeah, I hate to be the one to break that news to you, but he's a fake bunny. He's a 
apparently someone in a bunny suit. What? Despite what he might tell you, <laughs> I do believe that's the case. Yep. Isn't his name officially Zipper T. Bunny? <laughs> yeah, but don't believe it. I don't think that's really his last name. Maybe it's Mr. T. in a bunny suit? Mm, possibly. You never know. You never know. Hmm. There's also another update coming later in April. There'll be an Earth Day event featuring Leaf. Yeah, we kind of already knew these sorts of updates were coming. This is nothing too earth-shattering, but, you know, it's good to see that they are delivering on those promises. They also showed some new DLC from Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. That is the Shadows of Doom part of the expansion pass. Basically, it adds the Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom as playable characters, along with a new story campaign focusing on them. That is also out now. I mean, I don't have that game. It doesn't really change my opinion of the game. It's probably not going to make me pick up the game. Pete, are you super excited about Doctor Doom or anything? (laughs) Not exactly, but yeah, I mean, it does make me rethink playing that game, which I have not yet. Okay, okay. Then there was also an update for Ring Fit Adventure, and it is a free update that adds a new rhythm game mode. And in addition to it just being a rhythm game, it's a rhythm game with tracks from some of Nintendo's biggest hits, Super Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild and Splatoon 2. Yeah, yeah. again, this is totally puzzling, but at the same time, like, kind of awesome. If you already own Ring Fit Adventure, why not? Yeah, totally. I mean, I do have that game, and I love the fact that this is just going to be added for free. I think it's great. I'm not exactly sure that Breath of the Wild music really turns into a rhythm game really well, but, you know, I'm willing <laughs> to give it a shot. It seems cool just to be able to get this new content in the game. I will say, on a side note, Ring Fit Adventure is like basically nowhere to be found. If you go to Amazon, (laughs) people are selling it for $250 and up. I'm kind of upset. I would like to buy a Ring Fit Adventure, especially with all the, uh, you know, free time I have in my apartment at the moment. It just seems like a no-brainer for Nintendo to try to get as many of those back in the store as possible right now. Yeah, yeah, they probably will, and I consider myself lucky that I got the game back at Christmas time. But uh, yeah, in addition to this music mode, there's also a new jogging mode, as well as some new options to change the ring character's voice and language. And uh, yeah, like I said, the update is out now. And then there was also a bit of an update on the Pokemon Sword and Shield expansion pass. It didn't really have a whole lot of new info, but we did get to have a new look at the Isle of Armor and the Crown Tundra in action. You know, we learned that you get to take the new Cubfu Pokemon through either the Tower of Darkness or the Tower of Waters, face its challenge, and that sort of determines what new skills he learns when he evolves. We also got to see some new outfits and hairstyles, and apparently if you buy the expansion pass before August 31st, you get Leon's cap and tights for your character, which actually makes me want the expansion pass less because his outfit is so darn tacky. (laughs) Uh, Amazing. Now, Pete, given that that was your game of the year, does this get you more excited about this upcoming content? It definitely does. I'm curious to see how this all plays out. You know, obviously, this kind of feels like the Pokemon Yellow of Sword and Shield. Right, right. Yep, that's basically what it's supposed to be. So definitely interested. And yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like it could have the potential to, uh, you know, give people a reason to get back on and catch more Mon. Yep, you're not wrong about that. I think I'm probably going to pick it up myself. So in addition to those first-party games, there were also several third-party announcements. And man, if you love 2K games and you love shooting, you probably would have loved this Nintendo Direct Mini. (laughs) You know, it's funny. You know, I think at this point people are like, hmm, I don't really want any more Switch ports. But then every time I see a port for a game that I really want to (laughs) play, 
anywhere, I'm like, oh, sweet. This game's now on Switch. Yeah, so the rumors are true. Bioshock the Collection is indeed coming out on Switch. And these are some of my personal favorite first-person games ever. It includes Bioshock Remastered, Bioshock 2 Remastered, and Bioshock Infinite The Complete Edition. You know, these are much more adventure than your typical first-person shooters. They're very clever, they're creative, and quite thought-provoking as well. But then, not only is that coming from 2K, but also the Borderlands Legendary Collection, or possibly Borderlands The Handsome Collection. <laughs> you know, it's called that on the website. It was called another thing in the direct, so I'm not sure what's it actually called. But apparently it includes Borderlands, Borderlands 2, and Borderlands, the pre-sequel, whatever that is. But, you know, these are post-apocalyptic first-person shooter RPGs, and they are all coming to Switch now. And then, XCOM 2 collection containing XCOM 2, the War of the Chosen expansion, and four DLC packs, which are tactical shooters where you reclaim Earth from alien occupation. And all three of those collections are coming out on May 29th, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Talk about inundated. Yeah, that is a lot of good stuff. I mean, coming out all the same day, how do you choose? And that's the same day as Xenoblade Chronicles. So, like, man, such an overload of stuff on the 29th of May. It's insane. Yeah, it's funny. I have really been wanting Borderlands to come out for Switch. I'm not sure if you're a big fan, but... I've actually never played it. I'm very curious about it. Yeah, I mean, the best that I can say, it's almost like a MMO meets first-person shooter in the sense that you have these little quests and you can do them with other people. It just seems like the Switch would be perfect for this. I mean, I've literally read articles about, you know, like couples who have played Borderlands and they had to buy like multiple consoles and multiple televisions. <laughs> and the Switch just seems perfect for this. So very excited to hear about this. And yeah, God bless 2K Games. Yeah, I'm glad to see all of these on the way. I just wish that, you know, there was really a physical edition for this. I think when you buy the physical edition, you just got like a fraction of one of the games and have to download the rest. And uh, these games are kind of massive on other consoles. So, you know, I wish there were a true full physical you could buy. But nonetheless, I'm still pretty excited for these releases. Yeah, let's just hope that 2K doesn't, you know, shirk us again. Some of their uh, ports in the past have been less than ideal. Well, I've certainly got my fingers crossed for these. And another game that I am quite excited about is the Panzer Dragoon remake, which got a stealth launch during the Direct. You know, this was, you know, at least for me, a very highly anticipated on-rails shooter that, you know, didn't quite make its announced winter release window, but still, it wasn't too far off. It's not too far into spring. And this was a game that originated on Sega Saturn. It had some really unique, spectacular character and creature designs and beautiful environments and just lots and lots of lock-on shooting action. That takes place on the back of a huge dragon. And uh, yeah, it is now out there and available on Switch. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like we talked about this last time you and I worked together in Nintendo. There was like some rumors of a Panzer Dragoon for Wii or something perhaps. And yeah, it's funny to finally see it coming out. I actually don't remember that at all. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's also available for Wounded Run Games. I think that's how I'm going to get this thing. But uh, yeah, very excited to see it finally out. Yeah, pretty cool. Another noteworthy title shown in the Direct is Catherine Full Body from Atlas. Are you familiar with this title at all, Pete? I am a little bit. It's kind of a puzzle game mixed with a story. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's very fair to say. It is basically like half-romantic adventure, half-block-pushing puzzle game where you play <laughs> as this dude in his boxer shorts that has to climb up this huge wall of boxes every night in his dreams while some horrible threat is chasing after him. 
possibly because he's thinking of cheating on his girlfriend. It is bizarre and different, but yeah, I played through this whole thing on PlayStation 3, and uh, if you're in for something that's just a little bit off the beaten path, it's actually quite good, and I'm pleased to see it coming out on Switch on July 7th. Yeah, definitely a good addition. Then from Capcom, we are getting Shinsekai Into the Depths, which was previously released on Apple Arcade. You know, it is basically a Metroid-style game set underwater because, you know, as you know, Pete, everybody loves underwater stages. <laughs> now, I'm actually super into this game. It looks really cool. I love Metroid-style 2D games, and the fact that Capcom is releasing this is pretty amazing. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You know, I make the joke about the underwater stages, but yeah, the game does look great. The gameplay is mostly traditional 2D Metroid style. It looks gorgeous. You, know, you get to explore, craft items, upgrade your gear, and of course, fight big, scary, underwater, half-robotic sea creatures. It's out now in the eShop for $20, and I would totally like to try this one out. Now, I gotta be honest, when I first saw this game, I thought for sure the logo was not final, and then they were like, oh, the game's out now. I was like, what? <laughs> It's true. At first glance, it does just look like a bunch of squiggly lines. <laughs> I mean, it definitely is Japanese. But yeah, I can't think of another logo that is quite done this way. I think it's also supposed to be like taking the form of underwater sea creatures or something. But uh, mm. yeah, it's a little bit out there, that's for sure. But needless to say, it does look amazing. I love the Metroid concept. I am kind of curious to see what other people's reviews are. I'm afraid to buy something that's a total stinker, but it seems like it totally has potential. Yeah, I mean, I was very intrigued when I saw it released on Apple Arcade many months ago. So yeah, I am very pleased to see it on Switch. Yeah, no kidding. Plus, go Capcom. Yeah, it's not every day we get a new Capcom IP on Switch. Yeah, no kidding. A couple more noteworthy games from the Direct Mini were King's Bounty 2, which is coming sometime this year. It is a very Western hex grid tactical RPG with a traditional fantasy motif. You know, I don't know anything about this series, but it did show a lot of scenes of knights fighting wolves and bears. I'm not sure why the wildlife has turned against all these knights. I couldn't <laughs> tell you that. But you know, there's also skeletons and dragons and ogres and bearded dudes. So, uh, you know, Pete, knowing your love of bearded dudes and strategy games, is this one you're excited for? Yeah, it definitely seems like it has some potential. Uh, I love that there's some history there. Like, it sounds like there's been older versions of this game that have come out and influenced the Western market. So, yeah, I, I'm curious to give it a go. And then another title on the way is Ninjala, which is this goofy ninja-themed 3D versus battler coming out on May 27th. And, you know, it's super colorful. It has an aesthetic that, to me, is very reminiscent of, like, arms or Splatoon. Mm -hmm. And you use, you know, ninja gum as well as a variety of weapons like hammers and swords and yo-yos, plus your special ninja skills to defeat your opponents. I like the look. I like the concept. But then, when I saw the words free-to-play, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Maybe this isn't going to be for me after all. <laughs> yeah, the free-to-play can go either way sometimes. You know, I thought Warframe was pretty good, and I think that, you know, it has potential. But you're dead on with the uh, Splatoon reference. It definitely has some of that, especially behind the back, you know, sort of third-person camera. I feel like the style and aesthetic is very similar. Yeah, and since it is free, at least I can give it a try without any monetary penalization. Yeah, and apparently it looks much better than the first time they showed it off, so good to hear that the developers have made some progress. Yeah, indeed. And then one more title that caught my eye was Mr. Driller Drill Land from Bandai Namco. 
It's coming out on June 25th, and this is the newest version of the Cult Classic Puzzle Series. We haven't really seen this game in a while, but it's finally making a comeback. You know, you're drilling through colored blocks and trying to just get as deep as you can without getting crushed or running out of air. I have always sucked at this game, but I know a lot of people love it, so I am pretty excited to see it coming to Switch. Yeah, when I think of Mr. Driller, I think of the Nintendo DS. I don't think I'd heard of the series before that, and I remember it being sort of like almost a launch title for Nintendo DS. But, you know, it's a Namco game that uh, seems to appear on a lot of consoles, and it definitely looks like it could scratch that puzzle itch if that's what you're hankering for. Yeah, and it does have quite a cult following, so glad to have it on the system. Yeah, one other game that caught my eye was the Elder Scrolls Blades. Ah, right which is basically a mobile Elder Scrolls title, right? That's making its way to Switch. Yeah, and you know, I haven't really played it too much on mobile, even though I know I could have and should have, but it just seems like, you know, anytime Bethesda gets involved with a game, it feels like they make some good design choices. I'm hoping that Elder Scrolls Blades on Switch is probably the definitive way to play it. Yeah, it doesn't really look like the kind of game that would appeal to me, but yeah, it is a renowned series, and you know that can never be a bad thing, getting more of one of those. Yeah, it's definitely sort of on-rails version of Elder Scrolls, but you know, I, for one, am looking for uh, some shorter experiences. I don't need my 80-hour Elder Scrolls <laughs> game every year or so. That is true. That is true indeed. Sometimes much shorter and more pick-up-and-play is more desirable. <laughs> Sometimes. Anyway, that covers most of the titles out of the Nintendo Direct. Why don't we move along and talk about a few games from the Indie World Showcase that was presented in the middle of March. You know, there were quite a few games shown here, but uh, I have to say, the one that stands out the most to me is a game we have talked about on the show before, and that is Baldo, which has an unfortunate name, <laughs> but looks absolutely amazing like i just cannot believe how gorgeous this game looks you know i see this game in action i'm like this just looks way too good to be a real game let alone an indie title you know yeah was this made by level five and like miyazaki and maybe studio ghibli it's pretty impressive yeah it's a 3d action adventure full of puzzles and combat and dungeons you know very much in the vein of a legend of zelda but yeah it has this totally miyazaki ghibli anime aesthetic i mean every single frame you know looks like it could be straight out of an anime and especially you know the wacky colorful characters i mean like there's a cat with a cauldron and a frog playing a <laughs> ukulele and backpacking mice and there's just so much visual detail in like every scene you know, moss on the trees, cobwebs blowing in the wind, uh, you know, piles of books or cooking utensils or whatever. And the way they were talking about it on this showcase makes it sound like the game is going to be pretty extensive as well. So, yeah, I don't know how they are working this black magic, but uh, this game looks fantastic. And I hope it really does play as good as it looks when it comes out this summer. Yeah, I, I really think it is the dark arts involved somehow. <laughs> Must be. So what caught your eye from the Indie World Showcase? Yeah, I think aside from Baldo, I think I Am Dead definitely caught my eye. Yeah, yeah, I was intrigued by that one as well. You know, as the title implies, you play as a deceased museum curator and you use ghost powers like X-ray vision to apparently solve all kinds of object-based puzzles and discover some secret mysteries that are happening on your village's island. Yeah, I think anytime you start with the concept of the main character being dead, it's sort of intriguing. You know, in the vein of Ghost Trick. Yeah, definitely. Anything that reminds me of Ghost Trick automatically gets me very interested. And then on top of just you know, the interesting theme, I thought the graphics looked pretty 
nifty as well. You know, it's very colorful. It's sort of like a color explosion. And then they have all these weird-looking animal and human characters all together that really remind me of artist Rodney Greenblatt. He was the guy that did Parappa the Rapper, as well as uh, Major Minor's Majestic March. And that's certainly not a bad aesthetic to emulate either. No, definitely not. Yeah, I don't really know what the gameplay is going to be like, but I am certainly intrigued by that one as well. And then, speaking of, you know, sort of puzzling adventure titles that aren't necessarily focused on combat, Summer in Mara, which comes out this spring, was one that caught my eye. You know, it's very colorful, it's got this relaxing art style, and it's basically a 3D farming sim combined with tropical ocean exploration. You get to explore 30 different islands using your boat, plus you just have to maintain your own island by farming and crafting and then adventuring and interacting with NPCs, you know, solving puzzles. You know, there doesn't seem to be any combat going on, but, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, it almost looks like it takes place in, the, you know, the Wind Waker universe or something. Yeah, it does have very much that aesthetic, but sort of gameplay that's more like, you know, Harvest Moon or Animal Crossing or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, but with a stronger emphasis on narrative, perhaps, than either of those games have. Yeah, Totally. Did anything else grab your attention? Yeah, I thought the Blue Fire game looked pretty cool. Ah, yeah, that one was sort of a 3D action platformer. It kind of reminded me a little bit of a 3D Hollow Knight in some ways. (laughs) You know, it's funny. That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. Well, it must be true then. Yeah, you know, your main character wears a mask. It looks like a lot of the uh, gameplay is based on being able to kind of float and dodge your way onto different platforms far and farther away. Yeah, lots of aerial maneuverability, like wall jumping and wall running and air dashing. And also it just has this very austere visual style that also reminds me of Hollow Knight. Right, exactly. There's definitely a lot of Tim Burton stuff going on in the background. Yeah, it certainly does look promising. I agree. And then another one that stood out to me was The Good Life which was described as a debt repayment game set in an English village called Rainy Woods. And, you know, hearing the words debt repayment game also makes me think of Animal Crossing. It's crazy (laughs) how everything we're talking about this episode seems to be Animal Crossing related. You know, obviously it was how we started the show, then uh, Summer and Mara kind of Animal Crossing-ish. But yes, this one kind of is that way as well. And, uh, you know, is it like Animal Crossing? I don't really know, but it turns out that apparently everyone in this village turns into dogs and cats at night so even if they aren't animals all the time they are animals part of the time and i guess you get to ride a sheep yeah it sounds like a very (laughs) unique and bizarre game and you know you're uh, paying off your debt you're solving mysteries and murders and apparently you can turn into like a kitty cat and a doggy and use their skills to like climb up walls and dig stuff up it just looks really wacky and uh, could be pretty darn cool Yeah, definitely an interesting concept, to say the least. So, anything else? Yeah, you know, anything Pixel Junk makes, obviously I'm a little bit interested. The Pixel Junk Eden 2 definitely looks like it could be fun. Pixel Junk games in general have been very easy to pick up and play, and I think that lends itself really well to Switch. So, yeah, intrigued about that one as well. Yeah, that one could be very, very interesting. Seems like you're sort of just bouncing around and collecting things while there's this trippy rhythmic music going on in the background. Uh, There were a couple others that, you know, sort of caught my attention for very strange reasons. There is a game called Feria, sort of a hex board card game coming out this spring. I don't really know anything about hex board card games, but I noticed there was a card called Yak Attack, 
which summons three two out of two angry yaks. Mm. And I very much endorse that concept. So I'm looking forward to this one just for that. All right. And then we caught a brief glimpse of a game called Ghost of a Tale, which is an action RPG where you play as a minstrel mouse in a world run by rats. And, you know, neither of those are capybaras, but of course they are related to capybaras, all being rodents. And, you know, who knows, maybe there will be capybaras in there. So maybe capybara is the final boss as, you know, the world's biggest rodent. So who knows? <laughs> who knows indeed? You really are a sucker for quirky animals in your games. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. So, yeah, those were the highlights for me. And between you know, all that stuff on the Indie Showcase and all that stuff we've been talking about from this Nintendo Direct Mini, I mean, it might not be like stuff that blows your boots off, but I would say you take all that together and there are quite a bit of titles to look forward to in the next several months. That's for sure. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff to play. I don't know where I'm going to find the time, but I <laughs> will manage. Yeah, well, fortunately, we do seem to have a few months before the next really, really big release. So, you know, enjoy your April and most of May until we get to the end of the month when Xenoblade and Bioshock and Borderlands and XCOM and Shantae all release at pretty much the exact same time. So, uh, yeah, enjoy your Animal Crossing relaxation until then. Totally. And I think what's even more impressive about all of this is that you know Nintendo likely has at least one, maybe two big titles, you know, in development for the rest of the year, you would assume. Yeah, I mean, like they said, this is only a Nintendo Direct Mini, so I think they are saving their bigger guns for a few months down the road. Yes, indeedy. And with that said, I believe it's time for us to wrap up this week's big topic and bring the podcast to a close. But before we do that, we do have time for one more thing, and that is a dramatic reading. Yes. This time, it is the eShop description of the Nintendo Switch game, Jurassic Excite. A popular dinosaur for kids appears in the game. <laughs> Let's swell with a simple game that can be enjoyed by the family. Dinosaurs who lived in peace began to rampage with the power of magic. With a magic hammer, help the dinosaurs. Just swing the hammer in the direction of the dinosaurs. <laughs> you can also shake a hammer with Joy-Con. Because you can play together with them, Challenge your friends and family to difficult stages. Something happens if you get a high score on a difficult stage. I'm really curious about what happens when you get a high score on a difficult stage. Oh yeah, that's very, very intriguing. But uh, I don't think I'm going to ever find out firsthand because, you know, I have seen this game in action and I don't want to say nothing bad about a game I haven't played, but oh my gosh, it looks like the game's budget was, it couldn't have been more than like $14. <laughs> it looks like whack-a-mole with dinosaurs. That is basically what it is. The dinosaurs appear and you just whack it with a hammer. Or as they say, with the magic hammer, help the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, by bashing its head in with a hammer. Ridiculous. I like how just from the screenshots, it looks like maybe there's two dinosaur types and that's it. <laughs> I cannot confirm nor deny that, but uh, I have heard that uh, perhaps that's how they went extinct. Magic Hammer, you know. Hmm. Maybe there's some DLC coming. <laughs> we can only hope. We can only hope. <laughs> anyway, that does it for this week. 
As always, you can find us at powerpros.podbean.com, and you can follow us at PowerProsPod on both Facebook and Twitter. You can follow me, The Hoff, on Twitter at ChrisTheHoff, and you can find Pete at BurlyRedYeti. You can email us at PowerProsPod at gmail.com, and if you like the podcast, it would be great if you told your friends about us. Thanks for listening, everybody. For myself, Pete Mashad, Strawberry, and our good friend, Vector the Crocodile. Aha! That's the work of pros! We will see you next time.